This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description. A practical prayer is a prayer that works. These discussions between Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it. Reverend Bill is a New Thought minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results. Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations. I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is New Thought. Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni. We're going to talk about karma. You want to talk about karma. Karma. And my joke was that your karma ran over my dogma. <laughs> but we'll dispense with that, and we will talk about karma. And when you first brought this up, I noted that the spiritual tradition, the religion of background that you came from, doesn't really do karma so much. Not so much. You reap what you sow. You know, that, that's pretty much, it doesn't get much more than that, you know. But I have Buddhist friends that I hang out with, actually some monks. <laughs> okay, yeah, full up with karma. Yeah, and the explanation is really interesting. I mean, when you're reading different traditions, of course, there's, to me, there's a common thread in all. And then there's some little nuances of differences. But the interesting thing about karma, as you said in my tradition, Formerly, it was what goes around comes around. You know, you reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do to somebody is going to come back to you. But that's pretty much where it stops because there's other things that kind of interfere with that. So rather than to, I think, in my opinion, rather than to do a deep dive into it, you just kind of slough it off and just go into other stuff because it could, in fact, give the basic beliefs or tenets of the faith a little bit of struggle. So you don't do too much with that when you run on some <laughs> so, of those things. You do the broad brush, you don't get into the details because you might notice what's down yeah, there in the that's details. That's right. And then you got to do a whole lot explaining. But uh, <laughs> if, if, you, if in fact you can do that. But the thing about karma that I found interesting, because all I knew was what goes around comes around, right? You want to put good stuff out there. And I always, always did that because I, felt like my children coming along, even before they came along, I thought, what well, good stuff out there so that, you know, like stuff in the bank, good, you know, deposits in the bank, might need a withdrawal every now and then in your future. But as I was listening to the Buddhas and some, they talk about good karma and bad karma. Now that in the traditional, you don't have good karma and bad karma like that you know, separated. So they were talking about there is, first of all, in Buddhism, there is no creator God. So you got to go in, you got to really wrap your mind around that so that you can understand what they're saying. Like it or not, you don't have to believe it. It's just what it is, right? So they says no creator God that's going to come in and help you with your, like bad karma is coming to get you. 
<laughs> you're getting right. Going to save you from your right, bad karma. You come up and so to speak. No, there's no creator God is going to do that. So I'm thinking, well, you're in deep sneakers, you know. So the idea, I guess, is sort of to balance the good with the bad. But they said that the good karma is like fresh water, and so you just try to fill your, I guess, your life, whatever, with fresh water, so that if you, you know, put a little bad karma out there, it just kind of gets absorbed, diluted, you know. And this is just my way of saying it using, you know, easy language. But that's the idea. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what Ernest Holmes would say and, you know, how's that go? Because I didn't have time to go back, get my book and look it up again. Okay. Well, the notion of karma, especially the Buddhist notions of karma, is that we are on a merry-go-round where we go through life and then we go through life again and we go through life again. And at some point we graduate from whatever level we've been on and we get to go up to the next level. And eventually we're done with life on earth and we get to go to whatever the next higher plane of existence is. And perhaps there are some passes through here where we are at a lower level of consciousness, whether we're manifesting in physical form as some, actually, I think Abraham Hicks said that it's not like you are here as a dog. It's probably you're here as a pack of dogs or a flock of birds as the consciousness that's much less differentiated than we necessarily think. Simply reminding me that it's none of our business. What Ernest Holmes said was that there is one life and that is everlasting life, and it is expressing itself in multiple forms. So everything that exists, every life, is that one life taking its own particular form. And karma would be all of the lives and all of the consciousness that's happened previously. And our current experience is based on the consciousness that we are here with now. And we all think that we're in control of our thoughts and control of our minds, and it's simply not true. There are things that we believe that we don't know why we believe them. There are other things we believe, and we just take them as assumptions that that must be true because everybody knows that that's true. And that's the consciousness of the planet. That's the belief of the race. It's race consciousness. That's what we as a human race believe. And we will continue to believe that and enact that until we have a different belief. So karma is working at a, a civilization-wide level, and it's working at an individual level. And it's none of our business what happens to our individual consciousness once we make our transition and go back to wherever it was that we came from. Do we remain individualized? Ernest Holmes seemed to indicate that we do remain individualized. I have the notion that it's probably a lot less individual. That's the idea of the one, as we go back into the oneness and we can individualize ourselves. It's just a matter of you know, having memory, or it's like there's that old sweater that's sitting in your drawer that you wore, you know, all the time when you were that age, and now you don't wear it anymore. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like, it's still there, but it doesn't define who you are anymore. And the karma is all energetic. It's all about the law of attraction. It is all about creating the environment that we live in. If we live lovingly, then we will tend to attract more loving experiences. If we are attuned to experiences of prosperity and generosity, then what happens is we tend to live in a world that has generosity and prosperity. And oh, by the way, that means that people are going to be generous with us and we're going to experience prosperity ourselves. Because the universe, the infinite creative power that creates everything doesn't care. It loves us so much that it doesn't care whether we have an abundance of prosperity or an abundance of poverty. So we are free to choose. 
And one last comment that I'll throw in there before you say, that's a lot. (laughs) 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 Because, no, I won't. He just goes, he says, say, that's a lot now. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That is a lot. lot. All right. So, yeah, that is so much. I was trying to figure out which part of the lot I want to go back to. You're saying Ernest Holmes says that when we leave this life, we'll go out of this life to wherever we're going and we'll still be sort of like the old sweater in the drawer kind of thing. We already... He says we'll still be individualized. So whatever our individual, our personal consciousness is, everything that we are now will continue on. He implies that if we reincarnate, it'll be the same consciousness incarnating one more time. And that's the part I don't necessarily agree with. It's like, yeah, we can come back, but we don't necessarily have to be wearing the yellow sweater. Yeah. Now that brings up a lot of things that I had read some years ago about that. So if we go leave this life and then we just become one of the whole, then that kind of says we're not coming back or we got to come back again. I don't know. Like, If you just leave and become the whole, do you not come back anymore? Or do you have to go through a whole thing to individuate again and then come back? Because everything that I've read, which is not everything to be read, let me say that. No, they keep on writing more stuff. Yeah, And I haven't even read everything that's out there now, but (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, I'm always working on it. We leave and we're like the old sweater and we come back and we do something with it, we update it or upgrade it or whatever, you know. That kind of makes nice sense in a sense, you know. With this life I have right now, okay. So I'll come back as the sweater because I got a few things I'd like to upgrade, fix, be nice. But there's some like to re-individuate. I don't even know if that's a word, but to come back something, no, I'm not interested in coming back as anything else. But what I am here right now, you know, because I know this. Well, yeah. yeah. But once you take off this costume, once you leave this particular movie theater, then perhaps it's no longer relevant. So it's like going to see you know, episode three of the movie series that you love. And all you want to do is go back into the theater so that you can continue the same story. But there's another story going on in the next theater and there's different stuff going out on the street and there's life that's going on around there and there are schools and universities and churches and carnivals and all the rest of that. And thinking that I need to be in this movie theater watching this particular story over and over and over again is putting a huge limitation on the possibilities that we have. You know what? That brings up something really important that I was thinking about. Music. I love music. And there are some huge, like the idea of the arts. I can see God so, so clearly manifesting through the arts, either the visual arts, performing arts, whatever it is. So let's say an enormous talent has left this planet, left this life space. I always wonder what happens to that extraordinary talent. Because it seems like every now and then, every few generations, some mega, mega extraordinary talent appears and then it goes away. What happens to that talent? You know, it's like the old sweater. I just cannot fathom that that old sweater is not, you know what I mean? It's not because it's just too amazing, too beautiful not to show up somewhere again. 
What do you think? I have a rose bush in front of my house. And it's got these beautiful pink roses on it. And they're now. And they're wonderful. And they add a lovely fragrance and a burst of color. And they're roses. They're great. They seem so delicate and dainty. And yet they're so well-armed <laughs> to defend themselves. And eventually what will happen is the roses will fall off the bush and then it'll be a barren little bush and it'll just be this thorny thing that sits there for a while. And then what'll happen is eventually it'll bloom again. And I think that's the same thing that happens is the talent shows up and it blossoms and then it goes away and then it comes back and it blossoms in a different way in a different time. I mean, it's the same rose bush, but it's a different time and space. So, well, space is similar, but I think that's what it is. When we turn our attention, instead of, oh, let's, it's all about the rosebush, it's all about me and my life and my yellow sweater, if we turn our attention to the foundational belief that there's one divine power and presence, one life, one love, one source that's sharing itself as its creation, then what happens is it blossoms as a rosebush over here, and then that blossom goes away, and then the tulips come up over there, and we can look at them and say, those are different, those are separate, that's a rose, that's a tulip, don't you know the difference? But if we look at the big picture, it is the one sharing itself in different ways. So nothing's lost, nothing goes away. And that's something that Ernest Holmes is very clear about, is that it's a recycling program rather than a discard program. Exactly. That's exactly what I think. Because I can't imagine beauty just going away, you know, and it shows up in a lot of different ways. Of course, there's music that one may prefer over another genre of music, but it's Actually, it's still beautiful. It's just, you know, what I like and what you like. But sometimes you just can't imagine that. I just can't imagine at any point that it's not going to resurface somewhere. Because it would just be, it would be a waste. It would be yeah. sad. Yeah. I do not believe that there is a spiritual landfill that stuff gets dumped into. I think it's much more of a spiritual ecosystem. Let's take a break. And afterwards, we will talk about a belief that is held in common by almost all of the world's religions. Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marcioni's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer and the series of easy-to-understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, and you're going to talk about something that goes throughout all. A belief that's held by almost all of the world's religions, and it's in common, and we don't necessarily think of them as being that important, or it as being that important, because everybody kind of claims it once. 
Zoroastrianism says the nature only is good when it shall not do unto another whatever is not good for its own self. You're probably seeing where that's going. In Judaism, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And it shows up in Hinduism. Men gifted with intelligence should always treat others as they themselves wish to be treated. Taoism, regard your neighbor's gain as your own gain and regard your neighbor's loss as your own loss. The golden rule is a fundamental core assumption, not even a belief. It's an instruction. It's core to, to all of these religions because innately we know. And by the way, that's karma. That's karma. Do unto others as you would have done unto you because... If you look at it karmically, it's going to get done unto you. <laughs> somebody else is going to do it. And it might not even be somebody else because energetically, since there's only one, we're doing it to, we're doing it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We are doing it to Absolutely. ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's left out. And that's such an important part of the whole picture that if I treat you badly, okay, I can walk away from that. But I'm really doing it to myself. And that's the piece that is left out of the teaching or the explanation. What goes around comes around. Okay, yeah, that's a nice thing. But when you wear that, you know, and I used to use the term a lot when I was teaching Bible studies, you've got to wear the scripture. You got to, you know, put your shoes on and put the, your sandals on and walk in the dust and wear that which was said and understand what that really means. So what goes around comes around is a nice cliche if you just want to throw it out there. But what about the you know, what about the <laughs> come around part? You want good to come back to you. You want good yeah. to come back to your family. You know, I told you I did this series, this ridiculously long series. You know, oh yeah, with all the different characters uh, yeah. in the Bible. And I did one that I didn't plan to do recently on Aiken. And Aiken was in the book of Joshua and he was just stealing and doing stuff, you know, taking devoted stuff and hiding it and whatever. So that's one man, okay? Nowadays, you would take that one guy and you prosecute him, put him in prison, he serves time. Back then, mm -hmm. they took him, his wife, his kids, everybody associated with him outside the gates of the city and stoned him to death. Now, and I chuckle at that, and I don't mean to, but... <laughs> <laughs> hey, stoned you know, to death. Let's have I a laugh. First, when I first read it, I'm like, well, why would they do that? But then it doesn't take long to realize that what you do comes around to you, but also to everybody else concerned, everybody else that's close. Do you want that mm -hmm. to happen? It's like, and so that's a level of consciousness or awareness to me. It's not just me, it's us. So what I'm putting out there. It's going to hit me, but what about the person next to me? You know, and if that's too much for you to handle, what about the people you love? You know, do I want yeah. this? Well, I think the way scripture tells those stories, you know, what's the consciousness of the crowd that's taking the entire family outside the gates and stoning the children to death? I mean, there's something positive to be said for cleansing our consciousness and creating a clear field that is not going to be contaminated by any of the stuff from whatever Aiken is involved in but to explain it in such a harsh framework of you know murdering children just it can be distracting from the spiritual truth i think yes and no okay yes i <laughs> are you going to come out in favor of stoning children because no, this is going to be I, fun because if you take it okay if you good take it literally <laughs> that's a that's a rough you know thing i mean it appears again in psalms 
where they crush the heads of babies and all of that. I mean, if you're going to take it literally, no. And if you take it literally, why even be bothered with the Bible? Because you can't say, well, I'm going to take this part and not this part. Look, you got to. And that's what made me early on say, well, now, wait a minute. I don't want to throw the whole thing away. So let me reexamine the way I'm looking at this. This is a story illustrating a point, a difficult point. Yes. Something that's really strong. I may not even like it, but it's put in a language that gets your attention. If Aiken and his whole family are getting destroyed over what he did, okay, that's bad. But the point is, it's Aiken. We got to look at him. And actually, let's fast forward to where you and I are now. Everything we do affects our family. You know, people will say, well, I, I'm going to use this word sin. Okay, one day we're going to look talk about that. But <laughs> it's all. <laughs> I thought it was going to be today, but it's not gonna, we're not going to get okay. that much time. But, you know, you, people say, well, when I sin, I sin alone. Ridiculous. No, you don't. You know, you may put it out there, but when it comes back around, even if you could do it by yourself, comes back around, other people are affected by everything we do. So I, you know, that's why I think when I said yes and no, yeah, it's hard, but what's the point here? And if you get to it, that's what changes your life, I think, looking at what it really means. Yeah. Well, those stories in scripture, and some people say everything is completely literal and those are completely true stories. And then there are other folks who say they're stories, they're parables. Is there any indicator in the Bible that perhaps they are indeed parables? No, not, I mean, this, <laughs> you can. How about when Jesus said, when they said, why do you talk in parables? And he says, because people don't get it when I speak straight. I mean, <laughs> you know, you can read it and from cover to cover and you'll say, this is a parable. And some of it I look and think, I hope this was a parable. You know, like, I hope this really didn't happen. My preference is to look at it as a parable. That way you get the truth of it and not get hung up on, oh my God, it's terrible. They stoned his whole family and missed the whole point. Yeah. And wouldn't it be unfortunate if you were Lot's wife and you got punished by getting turned into a pillar of salt because of something he did? Yeah, well, you know, when you look at it from... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Just, it was out loud. <laughs> okay, so from a personal development standpoint perspective... It wasn't what Lot did, it's what she did. She turned around and she looked back. That's not what you do. That's what happens to you when you look back in your life. You become useless, pillows, all, all that. I mean, it sounds bad, but when you look at what the meaning of these things are, life ain't that difficult. I agree. I agree. And as far as karma is concerned, I love the notion of karma. And it can be instantaneous. You have seen somebody do something either whacked or wonderful and have it come back to them immediately. I have a quick story. I used to travel on business a lot. So I would get on the airplane and I was in preferred whatever it was. So I could get on the airplane first. So I'm sitting on the plane and, you know, I had my aisle seat and finally they're filling up the plane. And this woman comes in with a toddler in her arms and there's a middle seat that's open next to me. And there's another. And so basically she says, oh, my toddler and I don't have seats together. And she's asking the flight attendant for help. What can we do? And they're like looking around, is anybody willing to sit in a middle seat so that my baby and I can sit together? And I said, sure, I'll do that. And so of course it's me wedged in between two heavy guys, you know, with no leg room and no elbow room and all the rest of it. And 
Of course, the flight attendant was very grateful and the woman was very grateful and they got themselves settled in and we start taxiing. And I'm thinking, squeezed in as a flight home from Chicago. It's like, all right, this is going to be a while, but I'm so glad that I was able to do something helpful and wonderful and put that positivity out into the world. We're still taxiing. The flight attendant comes back and says, as soon as we take off, can you come up to first class? Because we have a seat for you. Nice. (laughs) So... And that's, I didn't do it because I wanted to fly home in first class. I did it because that's what I was putting out. And the karma was instantaneous. And the people around me who had been like looking in opposite directions and not making eye contact while this poor woman is looking for a place for her child to sit are looking at me and now they're being jealous. It's like, you go to town again. (laughs) (laughs) Have a nice time and let me know how that's going for you. Yeah, it does work like that sometimes. Yep. But, you know, there's other times when, when I know it's going to be okay. That's knowing how it works. And when you put the word law in front of it, <laughs> I'm really like, I'm happy then because I'm thinking, okay, I don't have to worry about this. This is going to be exactly good. And the good is going to come at just the right time when I need it. Yep. Let's take another break. And upon a resumption of the program, we will do a practical prayer. And it's going to have something to do with karma. Get inspiration in an instant. God calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of God's love is shining right now as you. It's your God call with Reverend Bill. Start your two-week free trial today and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Reverend Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun. Let your light shine. You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally. Whenever you write something, put on a gold star. They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time. Magic is loose in the world. It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now. Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, having a marvelous conversation about karma. We're talking about karma. And it's, we can think of karma in so many, many different ways. It's, you know, you get back what you put out, what you reap, what you sow, what goes around comes around, law of attraction, all the rest of that stuff. It's working. It's always working. And to my way of thinking, one of Christianity's great contributions is original sin, which basically means that you start off down a point with the karma. <laughs> Just a point? <laughs> well, no matter what you do, you're starting out down and you got to do something to get yourself back up to sea level. I don't know. Personally, that doesn't make any sense to me. But then again, neither of us are currently in that tradition very deeply at this point. So in a prayer about karma, what we are going to look at is not the experience that we are looking for. What we are looking at instead is who we are, what we're bringing to life, what we're bringing to experience, to let that be what's attracting 
to activate the law of attraction. If I want more love in my life, I'm not going to be saying I'm praying for love. I'm going to pray to embody love more fully, to be that love, to be that light, to be that presence, to attract that love into my life. The same thing with prosperity. If I'm looking for prosperity, it's not about getting. It's about being in the flow of prosperity, about giving and receiving. That's why tithing is such an important prosperity practice. It's about giving. It's about keeping that flow going so that we can be part of that. It's the same law of attraction. It's that same karmic energy that's flowing that way. Creativity, we were talking about music earlier. It's about appreciating and sharing whatever it is that we have that way to support the music or the art or the creativity that's in the world around us. And that way more of it comes in, either through our own creative work or because we are inspiring and uplifting and supporting other people who are doing their creative work. Health, it always works. It always works. So that's the prayer today, is to activate the law of attraction, to bring that which we are desiring more fully into our lives by more fully embodying it. I invite everybody who's listening to bring to mind whatever experience you'd prefer to have, whatever would make your life feel richer and sweeter and more connected and more prosperous and more loving and more vital and vibrant, whatever that feeling is that you are seeking, whatever it is that you're desiring, how is it that you can more fully be that gift? How is it that you can more fully embody that? What is it that you are giving off? What is it that you are sharing with the world that allows you to be in that karmic flow, to allow you to activate the law of attraction? Because the truth is there is one power, one divine power and presence that shares itself as all of its creation. Everything is that one taking particular form. And as described, that includes each one of us. We are each individually and all together that divine essence taking its own particular form. And all of those things that we are seeking, all of those experiences that we are desiring, all of those flows of karmic energy that we are inviting include us, include each of us. So we are inviting that newness and freshness into our world by embodying the good that we wish to experience by releasing that which is no longer serving us. If we're looking outside of ourselves and saying, I want to have more of that, we're looking in the wrong place. What we do instead is say, this is the experience that I wish to be having. How may I more fully embody that? How may I allow myself to more fully be that bright light of goodness that I'm seeking to experience more fully and be filled with it not by having it pour down on top of us, but by having it well up within us. And the good fills us in whatever way we are describing it, as creativity, as love and relationships, as health and vitality, as prosperity and abundance. That richness and that sweetness is filling us and overflowing. And we continue to share it with the world. We give to prime the pump, and then we receive, and then we give some more, and we receive, and we give some more, and we are in the flow, that up-leveling of love and consciousness that brings more and more good into our experience. And the good is whatever way we're describing it. We need not agree on what good means. It's good for us, understanding it to be good for those around us. And that good is flowing now. I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful for the good. I'm grateful for the stories. I'm grateful for the richness and the joy that's unfolding in each of our lives. And I am grateful to be able to speak this word of intention and release it into that creative law that has always said yes. That one creative force that has created everything is now creating this. There is nothing in the universe that stands in the way of it. This good is underway now. 
And so I let it be. And so it is. Practical Prayer Podcast with Reverend Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence is a production of BeTheLight.com. Be-the-light.com. Where you can find more information about practical prayer for real results. Our theme is by Music of Wisdom. You can learn about the spiritual community of New Thought Philadelphia with daily guided meditations, weekly celebrations of spirit, and Reverend Bill's classes in practical spirituality at NewThoughtPhilly.org. This podcast is supported by listeners like you. We're grateful for your tax-deductible donation at newthoughtphilly.org or the link in the episode description.